Welcome to Point Line Fever from yours truly, Ray French, here at Wembley Stadium. And uh, I'm in the company, the exalted company of Steve Mascard. You know, Steve, you remind me of that character, Little Richard. Do you remember his song, Tutti Frutti? Tutti Frutti, I'm alright, Tutti Frutti. But something like that anyway. You're flying here, you're flying out, never know where you are. Okay, it's uh, episode 34 of White Line Fever, and uh, we did say last week we were going to uh, record the episode in reverse uh, on Mad Monday, but the only thing that was actually achieved at Media Mad Monday was that everyone got someone intoxicated. We didn't even think about recording a podcast, so we're here the next day, um, completely uh, sober, well I am anyway, and uh, I think Nick Tedeschi, after um, half a schooner, is still could be described as sober at this point. Uh, sober, sober, distraught, Steve. Sober, distraught after the weekend's results. Um, tell us uh, one result in particular. What, what do you think of the grand final? And then, I mean, a few people, good judges, have said to me, summed it up. Canterbury just didn't have a plan B. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, I think that. I think that's true. Look, I, I think the, the Storm deserve the credit here. I've, I've never seen a, a, a team play a more complete game in a grand final. Like in a big game, they really shut the Storm. Canterbury didn't have a, a plan B, but. Yeah, that was always going to be expected with the, the young and inexperienced halves. In the end of the day, the uh, uh, experience told. And Melbourne were never going to lose once they got to a lead. When they got that, the numbers on the board, they were just going to grind it out. No team's better at grinding it out than the Storm. Even for someone who is a tactical dunce like myself, um, the, the, you know, it was a return to umbrella defence for Melbourne, wasn't it? The way they rushed up and just shut down Canterbury's passing game. It was so straightforward and so... Simple. It was astounding. Oh, the walk would have been proud of that. Uh, what went on on uh, Sunday? Look, it uh, the storm game plan couldn't have been more simple. Get your centres rushing in and shutting down the second man play. So Barber and Reynolds had no time all day. Cooper Cronkey to a corner. It was that simple? And Canterbury never had a shot all day. They were running. They were rucking the ball out of there in half the entire game. They, they were. How many attacking sets can you remember that they had? Like, very, very few. And uh, it was. Cooper Cronk's, uh, not Cooper Cronk, sorry, Cameron Smith's kicking, did that give you, as a Canterbury fan, some small reason for optimism in the second half? <laughs> it did, it did. It kept me, uh, kept me hanging on when I really knew better than uh, I shouldn't have been. But, uh, look, the, the final score was definitely flattering towards Canterbury. Melbourne really were far and away a better team. And while it certainly wasn't deserving of a, you know, the 40 nil blowout of a few years ago, mainly over Melbourne, it was, you know, it, it probably deserves to be a little bit more convincing than it was. Okay, um, we'll just have a bit of a sound grab here uh, from uh, Craig Bellamy talking about Cooper Cronk's influence in dragging the team out of their um, six uh, losses from seven games uh, slump. I mean, he, he was the sort—he was the main guy that turns around after those five losses. He um, probably shouldn't say this, but he, he was a little bit part of our five losses. But he—he he just turned it. <laughs> He was. I said that to him. But you know, he, 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 he turned around and, he, and he, he had a bit of a shot at me. You know, just a one-on-one, and he was right. And um, so he, 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 was, he was the main guy that, that, that turned us around. And uh, like I say, from then he's just come on, you know, loose and bounds, you know, with his form. And uh, like I say, he, he controlled that game tremendous tonight. His kicking game that first half was, uh, you know, as good as kicking game I've seen in the grand final. So, yeah, so apparently Cooper Cronk has basically gone up uh, to Craig Bellamy and said, uh, look, um, you're, you're starting to second-guess yourself. You, you're not showing the authority that we need at this time. Um, it's not your fault, it's mine, basically. And this is uh, 
uh, something that uh, turned around uh, Melbourne's season. Uh, Cooper Cronk, an interesting character to say the least, but uh, um, he could obviously a future coach. Oh, absolutely. Look, usually, uh, you know, I'll kind of have a bit of a theory of it, that the best coaches are rarely the ones with talent. You know, you, you see great players struggle to coach, but I think the Melbourne Storm are the complete opposite. I think they're, the, they're the great players who will go on to become great coaches. They're, they're real thinkers. They learn from, from one of the best, and they're, and they're, they're legitimate leaders. Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, you know, especially are, are players who, you know, you can just you can see them. They, people will follow them. The players will follow them. Well, you look what's around those 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 three stars. There's not a lot of talent there, mm. but you you know the greatest thing, the greatest compliment a coach can get is to say he made players better. Mm. And Craig Bellamy has made so many of those players better. Brian Norrie, Walker Kangaroos captain coach three years ago, mm. yeah, 150 metres in the grand final. Jamin Lowe, mm. what, str- we've played with struggling Souths and Cowboys sides. Mm. All of a sudden, Ryan Hinchcliffe, fringe reserve grader, fringe first grader at Canterbury, talking about him as an Australian player these days. So. Look, Bellamy is arguably you know, on the level with Wayne Bennett and, and, and Jack Gibson these days, and, and you know, I think Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk are, are right. They're, they're legitimate leaders and, and coaches of the future. Well, they've, they've spat out um, already. It's, it's already a coach factory there at Amy Park with the assistants and the way um, that they've uh, um, you know progressed and got gigs. But as I said, now they're, they're now going to produce a few coaches from the ranks of their players as well. What do you think of the game as a spectacle? Try to... Uh, Try to be objective, uh, you know, uh, forget that your team lost. Uh, what do you think of it as a spectacle? Uh, well, look, you know, if you, if you like uh, attacking you know, flair, it was, a, it was a stinker of a game. But, you know, grand finals aren't about that. Grand finals are uh, a game, you know, it, it's, it's tactical trench warfare. I thought it was, you know, it was a good game without setting the wall on fire. Um, yeah, it's probably one of those games there'll be there'll be few memorable moments, but, you know... That's the That's cheeseburger awesome. arriving, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there'll be a few memorable, um, few memorable moments from it, but oh, I thought it was, uh, certainly wasn't the worst grand final, but wasn't the most exciting either. You, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I thought the first half was quite enthralling, uh, and obviously the biting, which we'll talk about later, um, certainly added uh, uh, to the theatre. I thought the second half was impressive defensively, almost staggeringly impressive, but uh, not a great spectacle the second half. Um, okay, the way the program's going to go is that we're going to be back after this song with some new music from Skunk and Nancy. Do you remember them? They're back oh, together. I do remember Skunk and Nancy. What are they singing?
Hey, this is Michael Starr. This is Lexi Fox. And you're listening to White Lion Fever. <laughs> We're back with John and Dave from the Angels. Um, and um, this is kind of, uh, we'll make this the hard-ass part of the interview, the oh. kind of the newsy bit. Um, so in the, in, the fir- in the first part of the interview, which our listeners heard last week, you said that you know, Doc had left the band and you, you couldn't wait for him anymore. He insisted on his Facebook page he didn't leave. He just didn't want to play some of the small gigs that you were booking. Um, what, what's your take on that? My take on that is it's like retrospectively trying, trying to change history. That was never a reason that was given. And, and it's a, in my own opinion, it's a crazy reason. We were doing the best rooms in this country, the same rooms that all the big artists play, like Jimmy Barnes, etc. Doc announced to us that he was not going to uh, sing in the band for at least three years and we said well what about us guys and he said well it's not my concern and we said well we are going to continue yeah. and um, he gave one reason and one reason only he said he also said he would never record with the band again recording writing songs and recording is what we're all about and um, so you take that out of the equation and it's just it's like you know deflating you know it's mm. just, it's great to play the old songs, mm. you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, you know, he might say he hadn't left, didn't leave the band, but he did leave the band, mm. and and that's our position, and that's why we're out there as the angels, because we can be. And Dave, most people would imagine it's an awkward situation for you to come into. Is that a fair, is that a fair assessment? Um, well, it, it, <laughs> definitely, I knew that it was. You know, I, I've revered Doc since I was a, a boy of you know 13, 14 years old, and my brother used to blast the angels in our bedroom you know so um yeah and all our early touring we did with the angels and stuff so i knew that there'd be obviously concerns from the fans i mean i um i was under no illusions that it would be a kind of easy transition as far as it's mostly for the fans because for us it was really easy we just went oh this sounds great you know so um but from that point of view but uh yeah I've, i've definitely felt a little bit more reticent at the start. And were, I, you, were you scared the first night you, you walked out there with Oh, she, she did herself. <laughs> Mostly because... You I, couldn't tell. I tell you, no, it was... I mean, it was the Annandale Hotel in Sydney, and it was amazing. I, I'll always remember that gig. It was just incredible. The intensity and the energy coming off the band that night was just amazing. Yeah. And what about, what about... I don't know if you have a personal relationship with, with Doc, and is that been affected or do you, have you ever had one or well ne- never really just uh, always cordial and, and you know, doc gave me a bit of advice one time i was standing at adelaide airport and i was or maybe sydney airport actually and i was fuming something about the misses you know and 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 it hadn't been a great tour for us we had a lot of stuff go on and he just put his hand on my shoulder and said leave it on the road dave leave it on the road right? <laughs> um but no, look I, I have no ill will to toward doc obviously and um, and I, obviously there's issues and stuff like that, mm. but uh, I, in some ways, thankfully I can just say I'm, this, I'm just the singer. <laughs> you know what, I, I could probably cut in on this too because I can tell you that you know, Rick and I have spoken to Doc quite recently and, uh, mm. and uh, Doc was very uh, quick to point out to us that he's got no, absolutely no issues with Dave at all. Mm-hmm. got some issues with us, you know, he thinks that we've done the wrong thing, well we think he did the wrong thing too, but you know, He'd left the band to do a solo career. We wish him all the best. You know, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're not we're not manacled to, together, and we mm. we understand that. But what we don't understand is somebody leaving a band and then saying the band can't continue. Mm. It's not his band. Mm. You know, 
you know, Rick, this band was started by me and Rick and Doc in 1974. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and we hold Doc in reverence too, you know, Doc, mm. Doc's been an amazing front man. Uh, whatever, whatever has you know, come into his life to make him decide to, to take the paths he's done, that's kind of his business, it's nothing to do with me or Rick. Mm. We had no falling out, had no argument at all. Mm. And this thing that they talk about, the sort of gigs we're doing, you know, they're awesome. What is that? <laughs> the gigs we're doing. I mean, I mean, last night we did a sold-out show uh, uh, in Adelaide, and you know, it's just... I mean, it's that 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 is this this country. Mm. And there was some talk they talk about, oh, we should just be doing these major things, you know. Mm. Oh, well, I've done all the research. We've done something like fifteen and sixteen major major outdoor concerts, like the Nelligan Ute Master, uh, you know, the uh, Days on the Green we've done before, and. Uh, you know, Indy Grand Prix, V8 supercars, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of, you know, hey, down here, St Kilda, St Kilda Festival. Dave does a rock news thing on the radio, so he'll tell you there is, in America, there's two Great Whites, there's two uh, LA Guns, there's about to be two Queensrikes. Are you worried about there being two angels out there? Uh, well, <laughs> you know what, that's why we called the album Take It to the Streets, you know what? Yeah. Like, it's not exactly why we call it Take It To The Streets. We, we, we wrote a song in, when we were in Japan. I wrote a song to Nick's lyric for t- To The Streets. Uh, I love the song. And, but we just thought, Take It To The Streets, that's what this band has always been about. We, we take what we do to the streets. We play to the, It's always been about playing to li- life to people. And, uh, and they can make their own mind up. And it's it blown me away that in, in all the gigs we've done now, and it's about 28 gigs, I think, that no one's coming up and talking about Doc. Now that's not disrespectful mm-hmm. to Doc at all, it's just that they've just gone, okay, that's the band, oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. They'll say positive things about Dave, mm-hmm. about uh, drummer Nick Norton, who's incredible. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good experience. Okay, time for another song, guys. Well, we were talking about calling the album Take It to the Streets, <laughs> let's play To The Streets. All right.
second last segment of the program. The last segment I'll be speaking to uh, Phil Wilkinson uh, about the Super League Grand Final this weekend, but I've uh, been joined by Melinda and uh, Melinda Farrell and uh, Nick is here from earlier and uh, we're just saying off air that um, there's been people having meltdowns since the Grand Final. Um, there's a few issues to kick around. Uh, maybe we'll start with uh, a unnamed so far Bulldogs uh, player who has called a female journalist a dog at Mad Monday, and uh, this seems to have polarised people. Well, yeah, there's a, there are people who say that uh, there there are people who say that Mad Monday is players one day a year that they should be able to let off steam and be able to do it in private. So there are a lot of, especially Bulldogs fans, who are fairly angry that that Mad Monday was was uh, invaded unfairly, I guess. And then you've got the other side that that. Uh, well, it's a bit. You never want to hear someone calling a journalist a dog or the old uh, "suck me off, you dog." I mean, maybe that's a that's, that's a sweet nothings uh, in some quarters. But well, have we? Um, is there any update on the identity of this charming person? No, 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 not yet. There's a there's an inquiry that's going on, and they've got to deliver a report to the to the NRL. But uh, I mean, I, I guess the thing is, I think it was actually. May, possibly made worse by the fact the Bulldogs shut everyone out uh, after the grand final. So, you know, the media is a hungry beast and if you want to, if you want to shut it up, it's like a child, really. Feed it something and it's less likely to want more. Well, so that's, what, that's what we were saying before, again, uh, before the program started, that um, it, it's, it's not the media that have created this more formal relationship with clubs, it's the clubs doing. So they've created this... Uh, uh, atmosphere where everything is quite sterile um, and as you say they brought a few players out they all did what's called an all-in uh, after the press after the grand final so they've 
turn things into uh, the clubs have created these barriers um, and so whereas in the past uh, when the media had relationships with players and officials and coaches um, these situations were normally talked through uh, and uh, there was understandings reached but because of this extremely formal relationship that exists now uh, basically they can the clubs can't really expect to get favours from the media when um, they're not doing any favours. Well, well there's, there's a couple of things there. I have to say straight out on a personal level, I have an excellent relationship with Bulldogs and I've they've given me fantastic access. I've never had any problems with Bulldogs, but a lot of that I think is because I organise my own stories. I'm not trying to get stuff after games for their daily news cycle. So so it's a completely different thing. So for me, the Bulldogs have always been fantastic. They're one of my favourite clubs to deal with. So I feel like I have to say that because, you know, some people, you know, have different experiences, I guess, and you build your own relationship as well as a journalist. But the, the other side of it is I, I think also on every club's list of to-do list for the year it is a plan to deal with Mad Monday because it, it's, it's always got the potential to cause problems. We know that, I mean, we know that from the past. Um, and... I, I don't know whether or not maybe a better thing would be to do sort of what the Sydney Swans did, for example. Sorry, I hate to bring up AFL Club. But, uh, <laughs> what, but, you what, know, what's to, that? Sorry. To, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> they play. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but to maybe open up the first hour or something. Because they want to get pictures of people wearing funny costumes. Really, that's kind of what it is, first and foremost. If you, again, it's give them a bit and then they're more likely to be satisfied with it. So if they get a, there's shots of people in funny costumes, they can have a bit of a laugh at that and then make it right. Then. I think sometimes clubs don't realise what the media doesn't do. Like, for instance, clubs still think they can call a closed training session and no one will film it. Um, and they expect that. Now, um, if that happens in, in any other area of uh, journalism, um, if a politician or a rock star says they're going to be in this place, but please don't film me, the media would thumb their nose at that. And it's just expected. Um, that, that they'll be looked after in this regard. And as I said, I think in making the, the relationship more sterile uh, and more removed uh, the, and making the players more removed, there's been a lack of acknowledgement that the media are, are actually uh, doing clubs favours that other areas of journalism don't uh, observe. They're observing uh, conventions. And to be honest, if you want to have a closed training session, you've got to, you've got to build... Um, if you want to be like Manchester United then you've got to build Old Trafford around your team. Otherwise, you know, if you haven't got... If you actually don't have a barrier to stop people filming, then, then uh, you know, how can you request that they don't? So um, I think, um, yeah, I think things are uh, kind of... Uh, um, you sort of reap what you sow a little bit, but w what do you think? Yeah, look, I think it's way too far in the club's favour. Right now, I think they, you know, they, they, they expect way too much for what they're willing to give. The, the, yeah. The access is an issue. I think Mel made a very proper point. The media just want to see people in funny costumes earlier on. Yeah, they don't want to invade people's privacy. They don't you know, want to go out. They, they, they some don't. I, I like that. There'd be some who, and, and let's be honest about yeah. this too, there would have been some media there who would well, be after... hoping for a, like, oh, some, something you know that's going to get them in headlines. So yeah, there, that is there. That yeah. element is there. But yeah. I think for the most part, it's, you know... Give them a bit of something, and you'll mm -hmm. and you'll get the respect back. But like, let's say, yeah, and Steve would remember this more. 
Yeah, what? Do you need in, do you inform, in, informalness, informality, what do I have to Of, uh, yeah, where you can just kind of, where you can call apply directly rather than having to go through the media manager. Mm. Well, everything will be much more, you know, I guess, you know, friendly and you, 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 you'd be happy to kind of, you know, leave after a while there rather than... Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say you've got to look to why that's happened. And, and especially at a club like the Bulldogs, you know, the meeting has changed. And it's, it, there have been times when also journalists would be allowed in to the inner sanctum. Whereas now, there's no way that, that clubs could trust journalists to come into the inner sanctum and not actually report and, and betray trust sometimes. Well, whose fault's that? Like, what, 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 has, what has caused this relationship? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing to, to have gone like that? Is it, you know, because often, you know, I know in, in like, something like American football, uh, co- coaches before a big game, and I'm like, they're Monday Night Football, we'll, we'll sit down with the callers and they'll they will brief the callers as to, you know, what's going on. And there's that trust there where, you know, you will give the call is inside information, you trust them to give it to, to other media to report it beforehand, just to give them a knowledge of, of, of the game and why, it's, why the game is going on, to be able to inform the viewer. We don't seem to have that here. We seem to be us against them rather than this kind of, you know, helping understand the game and helping make the game better for everybody. Which is... uh, well, I do agree and it does worry me that, that there is an us against them. And I just know from my experience, I've had to... I've had to work very, very hard to sort of get past that with clubs as well. And, and I have quite, I've had quite a few journalists come and ask me, how have you managed to get feel-good stories because no one's interested in, in even doing that? And I always call, if you try and do those good news stories, I always I refer to that as the, um, the path of most resistance because it's actually really freaking hard work. And that takes a long time. You've got to get establish a relationship with each club and gain their trust. And... It takes a long time to do that because until they trust you, they're not going to let you do the stories. Until you do the stories, they're not going to trust you. So it's a bit of chicken egg, it's very hard work. But there is a bit of an us and them, and uh, just you know, putting it out there. Was, there was a little bit of a journalist mad Monday that uh, did happen in Sydney. Um, uh, no, no funny costumes, and about the most scandalous thing that happened was Steve Mascot did spill half beer. Um, and there was some. It's me not having one beer tonight. <laughs> but we were able to do it and not worry about anyone watching us as well. But what I did notice was this amazing, across the board, feeling of frustration. People were frustrated and angry, and I, I would hate to see that happen to a club like the Bulldogs, who've done so much work, and Todd Greenberg has done so much hard work. I would hate to see this this feeling of now, you know, an antagonism towards the Bulldogs as a club because the players, all the players I've dealt with there have been terrific. And Todd Greenberg has done so much good work. They've they've done an amazing job. And then, if you, but the problem is if you if you tick off the entire media core, though we'd love to think journalists are all uh, impartial and never let personal feelings bias them towards certain stories. In real life, that's not true. So. You know, I just really hate to see that happen to what I think is a good club that's done a lot of good work and, and come a long way. Okay, James Graham, Biting. Um, it's, it's one of those things that people are simultaneously um, in, indignant about and kind of cracking jokes about. My favourite was uh, Todd Ballam about uh, uh, Billy Slater is now in Canterbury's Book of Foods. I really enjoyed that one. Um, so what do we think? Uh, did it really hurt rugby league's image? Uh, um, it, I suppose that it's... Not quite a victimless crime, but a couple of little uh, teeth marks on the on the ear from uh, Billy Slater. I mean, is it, you know, wh- how, how serious is it? How bad is it? 
what isn't a good look? You know, people say, people generally say the, the worst two things in a game are eye gouging and biting. Um, so, and especially biting the ear. I mean, it's, it, I, I guess it's so always. So, if you were to bite someone's eye, that would be like. <laughs> <laughs> that would yes. be the double whammy. That, that would be. Yes, that would be. And pretty gross, too. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's not a yeah, it's not a good look. Let's face it, it's, it's not a good look for the game. And and as everyone keeps saying, very uncharacteristic of James Graham as well. We also wouldn't like to combine biting with the squirrel grip either, would we? <laughs> but um, what uh, what do you think, Nick? Oh, look, uh, Bumper Farrell can just be lucky there weren't cameras around uh, when he was playing. Uh, look, it, it it's one of those things. He'll get his suspension. He probably should have been sent off. To be honest, it's uh, you know, if it was Bill Harrigan. You know, someone before him, you know, a Greek heartland like he would have been, he would have been March, no question. But it's, uh, he'll get his suspension and he'll be remembered long after, long after he's served his four, six, eight weeks, whatever it is, for, you know, in grand final infamy, which, you know, he probably doesn't need any more of having lost six grand finals in a row. It's, uh, uh, but you can understand his frustration. It was bad, it's not a good look, but, you know, it's not, you know, the end of the world either. Andrew John's 8th Immortal, what do you think? I thought he was an 88th Immortal. <laughs> it was good. It was a like, nice, really nice moment when he was projected onto the bridge. It was, you know, we were there that night. It was great feeling in the room. I know that there are a few people who who feel it should have been Mal or, or someone else, but now that he's been announced, I, I, I'm glad that it was decided by the on-field performances and that the other things were were left out of it. I'm, I, I was pleased about that and um, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I thought it was great that his family were involved on grand final day when he when he was delivered in the helicopter and I think it's great and, and I know now there's, there's talks about, I mean it's amazing publicity for Rugby Lake Magazine. It's just amazing that they've turned this, this concept, you know, a promotion for a port bottle into this concept that really you know, captures the imagination and um, I think I do think with Andrew Johns being uh, the eighth immortal, I think it might have some more resonance resonance now the whole concept with a younger fan base as well because there are a lot more obviously a lot more people who remember him playing. So yeah, I, I was I was pretty pleased with myself. A really nice really nice moment, and that's made it the whole grand final thing a bit special too. Being able to be around in the in the year you know when the the eighth immortal was announced, I think that was great. Um, the vitriol from some fans has disappointed you, Nick. Yeah, I've been uh, yeah, appalled by some of the uh, people who've, who've, got, who've gone, oh, Andrew Johns is a drug cheat, we're not going to clap him, you know. It should have been Mal, we're not going to clap him. Look, Andrew Johns changed the game, but no player I've seen in you know, 25, 30 years of watching, aside from maybe Wally Lewis. Joey uh, had very few flaws in his game, and this was judged solely on the field. It's got nothing to do with not only Joey's, uh, you know, extracurricular activities, but it's also got nothing to do with Melbourne and coaching Queensland and seven or eight victories either. And well I think I think the difference between Joey and, 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 and Mal and Norm and Ron Coote is that Mal and Norm and Ron all have the records of achievement. They've contributed so much to rugby league, no one's gonna question that. Joey has those records, but Joey also changed the way the game was played as well. I think that was the difference. And I, I for people to come out in this great moment for a servant who's given so much to the game to come out and have you know, slandered, slandered him, I think, is, is appalling. And I agree. I mean, he's not a cheat because there's no evidence at all that he took performance-enhancing drugs. 
ecstasy doesn't make it's you throw. Actually, yeah. it's the opposite. You know, They'd be performing. There are a lot of people who don't want to get off the couch on a Sunday morning. Ecstasy after. might make you imagine you threw a 20 metre spiral pass, <laughs> but you didn't actually do it. Imagine how good it would have been if he hadn't taken it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But there is this, um, I suppose, this um, um, also the, with older generation, um, this kind of uh, thing where you know anything to do with. Um, the funny thing is, like, anything to do with drugs is kind of like a no-no because when they were kids, there were no drugs around. Were, um, but but equally, when they were kids, everyone was racist. So uh, and rugby league was a much more violent game where people bit people's ears and yeah, and that was okay. People, that yeah. was okay, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so is that all okay? So James Graham gets let off, and that's like, yeah, you can't have it every which way, like you say. The times yeah. change, and it's got to be measured within the context of the time. I think it was a, this has been a very, very good segment. Thanks uh, for making the effort to come, uh, guys. We're going to play some uh, new music from uh, a band called Bonafide. You don't get a request this week, next week. And uh, <laughs> if you come out to uh, to Bass Hill and watch uh, Lebanon play the Cook Islands... And, 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 I'll be there. You'll be there, yeah. I'll be there. And, um, um, and then we're going to be back with Phil Wilkinson talking about the Super League Grand Final. So uh, thanks for the uh, domestic season, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, despite uh, uh, the odd bit of uh, you know angst and rancor. <laughs> loved, loved being back uh, even after the disappointment of Sunday soon. <laughs> and yes, thank you so much. Uh, the highlight of my year has been part, being part of White uh, Line. <laughs> Oh,
G'day, I'm Dave Gleeson. And I'm John Brewster. And we're from the Angels. And we're on White Lion Fever. <laughs> okay, welcome back to the program. It's uh, the last part, and it's been about a week in the making, uh, this program. I could uh, come up with all sorts of... Uh, uh, reasons for that, like uh, wanting to be thorough and all that sort of stuff, but basically it's laziness. Uh, but uh, better to talk about the Super League Grand Final after the event than before it. And I've got uh, Phil uh, Wilkinson on the line, the world's greatest stringer, uh, and also um, a man who was impartial on Grand Final night this year because uh, Wigan Warriors didn't make it. How did you enjoy the evening, Phil? Yeah, it was good, actually. It was good to um, go up on Vision Neutral and... Uh as an aside, it was the first game that me and my wife have been to in, in 15 years together, so it was uh, <laughs> interesting to, uh, to see her take on a game as well. Did you get uh, press seats for her, or did you sit in the uh, terraces with yourself? Just, yeah, mate, we were just above them, actually. In the, uh, we, had the, uh, in the, uh, we had a free meal first, so they looked after us, so it was pretty good, mate. It was, uh, and then uh, got to, uh, got to go, go and see them all afterwards, so it was... Uh, no, I enjoyed the day. I was just glad that it was a, an entertaining game, because we've seen... You know, when you're neutral, I guess that's all you want, isn't it? And, uh, and it was certainly an entertaining game, and I think the best one in the end. And what an amazing story about Paul Wood, who uh, not only uh, finished the match, but also did uh, post-match interviews, and then uh, all with a ruptured testicle, which has since been removed. Um, I'm sure the male listeners, of which most of our listeners are, are sort of uh, are wincing. Uh, I mean, when did you first become aware of this story? Well, just when I saw his tweets, actually, and then... Uh, in fact, I'm going to give him a ring this afternoon because I uh, I was wondering whether they'll be on the um, the Mad Monday today. But he, um, I think, he's been cut short. I'm I'm told that he uh, they finished it last night. So and something had him on the radio a short while ago. So, but you're absolutely right for something like you know to 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 just go back in and have it removed, and then joke about it, then tell the world about it on Twitter, and then still do interviews. I tell you what, the um, he can uh, never hear a player refuse an interview again without being able to say, look, Paul Wood did it after this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, they just think, oh, you know, lost a grand final, not talking. If you look at Canterbury uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, uh, lost a grand final and lost a testicle and still does interviews. Um, absolutely unbelievable. So it was a great game. Um, there was a good crowd. Um, what did you... Th- where, where does it leave the game in England, do you think? Obviously, there's some challenges there, but uh, have we seen... Uh, have we hit the bottom and on the way back up again? Oh, I think so. I mean, certainly with the grand final, I mean, the playoffs are... are, are they need to address this, um, this culture, really, of, uh, of, of people not turning out to support the playoff games. It wasn't just this year. It's always been the case. It's always been the case of the lower glee, the, uh, the lower rounds of the Challenge Cup as well. Then, of course, you get 80,000 turning up at Wembley. Um, the case of the weekend, it been, you know, poorly supported playoff games. 70,000 rocked up at, at Old Trafford to watch a great game. So, um, in, 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 in that issue, was, you know, there's nothing really new there. Um, but I think anyone who, who watches it was, you know, at least saw rugby league at its best. And, and it, at its hardest, too, you know, blokes like Kevin Stimpley getting knocks like that, playing on. And it was interesting, you know, just um, looking at the, um, on Twitter, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively new to this in terms of, I think I've only been on this year, so I've never really noticed it on the grand finals before. But you look at the calibre of the people who were, who were tweeting about it, you know, England cricketers, Wayne Rooney, Bradley Wiggins, there's just, um, you know, it, it's great for rugby league over here that you're able to get, you know, the people like Wayne Rooney, you know, supporting Leeds Rhinos and telling his millions of followers to, uh, to tune in and watch them. Yeah, the trouble, the, the game doesn't have any trouble winning over sort of the sports purists, do they? And other sportsmen have a lot of admiration no. for our sportsmen, but it's the rank and file, uh, 
uh, neutral in the street who uh, we have trouble attracting. Oh, you're right, and uh, you know it's interesting. I've just been down to um, this morning when when, when you uh, tried to call earlier. I was down at a press conference. Sam Tompkins, the Wigan England fullback, has launched a big soup, a uh, tin of soup with his picture on the cover of it. And I mean, I can remember you can remember Martin the Fire in his prime, and I don't remember Martin the Fire ever being on, the, on a tin of uh, tin of soup. So there's been plenty of rugby league players on. There's been plenty of rugby league players on the soup over the years, but it hasn't anything to do with marketing. <laughs> No, but it, it is. But I mean, you know, whether you're, um, you know, whether Sam Tompkins fan or Wigan fan or not, it, it, it's obviously good for, for, for Super League in the game over here. But the problem is, of course, I was at that press conference and, and you get a few of the national journalists along, and the questions we're all asking them are, you know, when are you, when are you going to switch codes? Would you like to play in the, you know, Union Sevens at the next Olympics? Would you like to play in the, the 2015 World Cup? Rather than asking them about, of course, the, uh, the next year's Rugby League World Cup. So we, there are issues that we, we need to address. But, as I say, there are also some good things there too. Now, a couple of other results. Uh, pretty good game uh, out uh, at Bass Hill on Sunday, uh, but most recently passed uh, with Cook Islands just hanging on to beat Lebanon 28-24. And Canada's aspirations to be a top 10 country in rugby league. We've been singing their praises. Uh, they're not in the World Cup, uh, but they seem to be very aggressive at marketing themselves and organising fixtures. But maybe come back down to earth a little bit, losing to England Community Lions. Are they England Community Lions or are they Great Britain Community Lions? 64-6 uh, in Toronto. So they've still got a fair way to go, uh, Canada. Yeah. Is that, are it's they Great England Britain. now or are they Great Britain Community Lions? No, 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 it's Great Britain uh, Community Lions. Ah. And there's some good players in there, though. I mean, I saw that side and I think there's uh, six amateurs just from my town in Wigan. Um, all of them at a decent standard, though. They all play at a decent level. And some blokes as well from the forces. And in fact, I think there was a guy in there from Cornwall down in the, uh, the south of England, which is, of course, as you know, uh, Virgin Rugby League territory. So, you know, it's great to see that even within the GB community lion side, there is uh, you know, evidence of the, of the game being spread. Okay, um, now I know uh, you love your cock rock, so, and you look forward to this all year. Uh, it's another chance. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, by the way, in England, but give us a song. Well, you're not over here in time to come to the, uh, the Richard Sambora gig with me in London, so I will let you pick any song of his and, uh, as long as you play it.
I got a white line fever. Going to run, land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever and Dig Michael Monroe Sensory Overdrive, the album, the band. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.